0: As a real estate agent, you know that the industry can be tough to navigate with constant challenges and obstacles to overcome. That's why we created the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where top-performing agents share their insights and strategies for success. Join us as we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of growing a thriving real estate business. Your host, Lindsay Favaza, will be your guide on this journey. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the best in the business.
1: Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Favaza, and today we have a very special guest who exemplifies what it means to truly crush it in real estate. Joining us is none other than Barry Jenkins, a seasoned real estate professional, a dynamic team leader, an inspiring coach, and an innovative trainer. Barry's journey in real estate began at the age of 18 and has spanned almost two decades, marking him as a veteran in the industry. He's not just any realtor, he's a visionary who has led his team at Better Homes and Gardens in Virginia Beach to incredible heights. But Barry's impact extends beyond just sales. He's a best selling author of Too Nice for Sales, a book that has revolutionized how people, how nice people can excel in sales. As the head realtor in residence at the digital marketing firm Y-Lopo, Barry has also been instrumental in training and product development, sharing his wealth of knowledge with others in the field. Today, we're going to dive deep into Barry's journey, his strategies, and his insights, which have made him a standout figure in real estate. So, say hello, Barry, and welcome to the podcast today. I
0: am super excited to be here and honored to be in an environment of people that crush it. That's uh, such a fantastic topic for a podcast. So, yeah. Excited to and
1: you definitely do that, so we had to have you on. I know I was talking to Dave, who is our yep. VP of Sales, who I know is close with you, and yep. he was like, "You have to have Barry on." And I'm like, "Oh my God, of course we have to have Barry on." So I'm so glad it all worked out, and so quickly too. So thank yeah. you for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So take us back to you know two decades ago when you signed up to be a real estate agent at 18. Why is that? Why were you so motivated at such a young age to get into this field? And you know, do you have any regrets about starting so early?
0: Um, you know, I uh, no, no regrets. I uh, was managing a shoe store at night and bussing tables uh, for lunch. And um, uh, I had someone that uh, had access to a lot of cash that said, "Look, you know, you're hustling. I see you putting a lot of effort at 18. Um, uh, have you ever thought about investing in real estate?" And I said, "No." And they said, "Well, look." If you find a property, we'll do a um, $100,000 line of credit um, with a balloon payment at the end of 12 months. You can buy it, flip it, and sell it. And um, I did not know uh, um, what I didn't know, and I just did it um, like a typical 18-year-old kid. And yeah. I, I made maybe 20 It 20- sounded really good. It did, but you know, um, I didn't know what could go wrong. And nothing did go wrong but I just wasn't aware of the gravity, you know? Um, and so I just did it. I, I took the opportunity. I made $26,000 in six months and I never looked back. Um, and so for the next, you know, six months I bought a, I bought a property for myself. I moved into it. Um, that's when I got my real estate license. Um, I was in college. I never stopped going to college, but it really took the Wonder out of college because, you know, I'm learning marketing and um, management courses. And it just, I just knew that that wasn't going to be the track that I was going. So I finished it, but it wasn't really like I wasn't all about it. Um, And I got my real estate license. I really, I did fine just because from 2001 through 2007, it was so easy. You stick a sign in the yard, you'd get, eight or nine leads, you know, it, it, digital marketing wasn't as popular as it is now. Um, so it was really easy. And uh, where I uh, 2008 completely crushed me, though, like I it, it wrecked me financially, because I, the market changed. And I, I thought just by being diligent and consistent and doing the same things that I always did, that there was wisdom there. And I guess in some ways there was, but I, I never changed. And so I'm only made thousand dollars that year. And that journey of, from 2008 through 2010, that really is what made the book. And 2011 is when I made my first million dollars as a result of the suffering of 2008 to 2010. So it really was that, that two year, two and a half year period that changed my life forever.
1: Well, and you said that in the beginning, you didn't know what you didn't know, right? And you were getting into real estate kind of blindly in a way, like not knowing what the risks were. So it sounds like when those risks came, you were that much more you know, blindsided by the whole thing, which I'm sure a lot of realtors at that time were, like you said, it was, it was easy. Kind of reminds me of the last few years where it's like you put a sign on the ground and it's just going to sell magically. Um, You know, we just went through that again. And maybe now is the time for a lot of realtors who started then that are now getting that wake up call, you know, so, uh, but it's very interesting that you say that, you know, you were kind of this green, like didn't know what you should be afraid of in a way. And then all of a sudden it just hit you. So tell me about those years, those two years, you know, what kind of got you through? Why did you stick with it?
0: Um, so I 2008 to 2009, I um, we lived off of credit cards, basically. Um, and so I racked up, I think, maybe $60,000 in just groceries and gas. And um, I had my equity lines cut off because the housing market shifted so quickly um, it was just really hard. And I, I I talk a little bit about this in one or two of the chapters in the book. But I got a, a couple of sales jobs to support my real estate habit. Um, one was selling steel buildings, another then over the phone, and another was uh, which taught me my phone skills. And then another was life insurance, which, you know, convincing people. That they're gonna die and they should buy this piece of paper uh, to protect their family is just a tough gig. Like anybody who's good at it, like God bless them. Um, so, but so basically, I did real estate part time and paid my bills through those other sales jobs. And um, it was those years that taught me all about sales. It, it taught me what was wrong with sales. Like the, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel good about myself at the end of the day. Um, creating false urgency, um, you know, tricking people into closing, um, specifically with the steel building industry, that was a really popular thing. And so, um, so that, that really is where I got my chops. And so once 2011 came, I realized that, uh, I had a new opportunity and that was REOs. And so that, that provided me with a chance to do what I loved again. And so I gave it all that I had. And the result of that period Um, is I now, uh, I pivot quickly, uh, and and because there's been many from 2011 to 2023, there's been many micro shifts, none as dramatic as 2008, but the reason why my business has continued to grow and thrive through all of these shifts and ups and downs is because I'm paying attention and I pivot quickly when I see there's a shift. And, uh, and now it's more like a game than anything else.
1: You feel like a little cat and mouse.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just you just have to you just have to recognize. Like I remember when COVID, everything shut down for three months. We were still considered an essential service, but we uh, every everybody in my market just like hunkered down, right? We just didn't know what to do. And I remember the sales meeting uh, was Zoom, and I I said, you know, Zoom wasn't a verb at that point. It wasn't as popular, and so mm-hmm. I told my agents, I said, look, I hope this all ends in a week. I said, but this feels like two thousand and eight as a result everybody download Facebook Messenger on their app when you meet a lead that wants to go look at a home I want you to friend request them I want you to do video showing tours through Facebook Messenger we crushed it that year like yeah. obliterated our goals made tons of money and it was because we were paying attention and we adapted quickly and yeah. that's just that's that's the name of the game in any business not just real estate but I do think real estate tends to be a little bit more challenging as far as watching the trends and knowing how to pivot and and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So when did the transition to having a team start? Was Mm. that before 2008 or did you do that after 2008?
0: Yeah, that was as a result of 2011 because Mm. I I had struggled through 2009 and 2010 with these other gigs, doing part-time. 2011, I had a shot, right? I had a real chance to do something different. I think I sold maybe 50 REOs. And as a result of the REOs, I produced an additional 75 transactions. So in 2011, I did 125 transactions by myself, no staff, no assistant, no transaction coordinator. I was excited and miserable. Um, 70, 80 hour work weeks uh, are really hard to maintain when you're trying to be a devoted father. And, um, and so, you know, I uh, I said I remember the moment. I was the number one agent in my market, and I was so excited at the realtor awards. They had like the screen, and like there was that five seconds where it finally showed number one agent. And for five seconds, I was I was elated. Sorry, yeah. I just turned my we're gonna have to edit this. I just turned my AI on with my hand gestures. Oh no, uh, that's okay. Sorry. So uh, I, I was I was elated. Uh, during those five seconds, but then it ended. Nobody's really paying attention. And uh, as a result of that, I said, you know, that's not worth it. Being number one didn't satisfy me. I'm going to have to figure out how to pour into others. And serendipitously, right around the same time, I had three old friends from high school reach out and say, Hey, I see you're crushing it. I'm in the food service industry. Hey, I'm an appraiser. Hey, I'm a, a contractor. Would you teach me what you're doing? I would love to learn the business. And those three agents are what started the team. And, um, and so that journey of building a team, uh, mentoring agents has been a very hard one. Um, and, uh, my next book, I'm about halfway through with it. It's called too nice okay. for leadership. And it's uh, the subtitle is a compendium of all my screw ups, because basically (laughs) I've got two decades of screwing up as a leader. And and that's what's made me the leader I am today. Um, Mm -hmm. But that running the team has definitely um, been a learning experience. We're up to about 80 agents now.
1: What do you think is the most fruitful and the most rewarding thing about having a team? I can kind of assume I know what the answer is to that. But then what has been the biggest challenge or the biggest mistake, I guess, that you made?
0: I mean, selfishly, uh, I really value freedom. When people say, "Like, do you enjoy money?" Uh, yes, because I enjoy freedom. And for me, running a team and empowering others to be successful is gratifying because I'm watching their lives change. But if I'm being transparent with you, I do it because it provides me with a better quality of life, and I'm I have a teacher's heart. I, I really enjoy enlightening and empowering others. It doesn't matter the subject. Like I'm not married to real estate. It's real estate has produced, uh, allowed me to produce a tremendous career. And um, and now I've got agents that need me. And so they still have a direct access to my calendar uh, where they they can book one-on-ones with me and I'm empowering them. Um, the most challenging part, I, um, I am not good at hiring people because I see the possibilities I see what they could become. I don't see who they are. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think the most challenging thing for me is leading them to water, so to speak, and watching them not drink. Um, and so I, I call that out a lot. I tell them um, in group settings that, look, some of you are going to lie to yourself and say, Um, this isn't for me. I tried real estate and it didn't work. And I want you to know it's because you didn't do the work. So don't just die on the vine quietly over three to four months, just be emotionally aware and honest with yourself that you're not giving this your all. And then if you decide to leave, you didn't leave because it's real estate, you left because you didn't want to do the work. And I, I have found that 60% end up doing the work and 40% don't. That's normally the numbers. Um, and so we grow off of those
1: 60%. And that's the thing, you give them that little word of wisdom, which mm-hmm. seems probably like, okay, yeah, I get it, Barry, right? I'm sure you get that every once in a while. They're like, all right, yeah, all right, I'll put in the work. But then it's so true because it if they do put in the work, you know that that's going to actually come. You know, something's going to come of it, and then once something comes of it, that's when they become, you know, addicted to that feeling, and they know it works, and now they're going to take off. But right. it's that like, yeah. I mean, we we see it all the time with agents within our our training system, and then also agents within the company, and it's like you know that what they're capable of. It, yeah. it literally there's no. And tell me if I'm wrong, but I in the eight to nine years that I've been in this business now, I look at it and I I see someone come into our trainings or a new agent in the company and I look at them and I think, wow, they're going to be really good. And then they end up not. Or there's someone that I'm like, there's no chance they're making it in this business. And then all of a sudden, they're like the number one agent in their office, right? Like, it's so crazy. There's not like a certain type of person. You can literally be anybody, but the bottom line is putting in that work and believing in yourself and not giving up.
0: Yeah, and I would say the persona of agent that thrives on my team is the agent that typically gets left off in a room of superstars. Like I need people that will just listen and execute. It might not be pretty, candidly, they might not sound great, they might not have the look of your typical rock star, they might not have the car, but they do the work the way that I teach them. And so I'm looking for people that are hungry enough to do the work and experienced enough to see the opportunity I'm providing them. Um, And I really, you know, the last year of my life, I've really gotten into um, like therapy and learning about feelings suck. Like, like they they just, it's much easier as a man to disassociate from them completely. But like, there's moments in your life where you realize. And and so I'm trying to impart that to my agents. And I'm thinking I can hear one of my agents in the uh, one of the calling rooms next to me right now. He's brand new. He's 18. And he was I before he made his dials uh, a week ago, I texted him and said, look, before you make your calls, I want you to call me. Uh, so he said, I'm getting ready to make my calls. And I had a two minute conversation with him. And I said, you're going to call 100 people today and 80 of them aren't going to answer. And 20 of them, that do, 18 of those 20 are likely going to tell you to leave you alone. And you're only going to find two. And I want you to know that if you find two out of those 100 attempts, you are going to have a thriving and successful business as a real estate agent. He called me later that day and said, Barry, I got hung up on more times in my entire life, but I found three people (sighs) that want me to send them information. And that made my heart sing, right? Because they're like, It reframed what could have been a really discouraging experience. And I just, I love that for him.
1: That's awesome. So let's shift gears for a second. Yeah, You're talking about having a team and writing now two books Uh soon. You're talking about being a dad. You know, I I know uh, you just have so many different hats that you wear. So, you know, from an agent's perspective, which is mainly the audience here, um, how do you kind of stretch yourself so thin but then be so great at all of these different things And then from you know a team leader perspective, how do you make sure that the team feels like they're getting the most from you without spending all your time babying them in a way yeah, right yeah.
0: Um, it's a great question and I would yeah. tell you that it's been an evolution over the last eight years. And let me speak to those single agents that think that this isn't relevant for them. Um, uh, You're probably doing everything. Um, You've gotten to the degree of success that you have because you're different. You care more than other agents and that's what makes it hard to find help. Let's be honest, no assistant is gonna ever care as much as you do about your business. And because of that, you're holding on to all the details. And I wanna tell you emphatically that you have to let go to grow doesn't mean you don't care. It doesn't mean that uh, you know, you've, you've let go of your business. It means you understand that your greatest value is doing the things that only you can do. And so I, uh, I have learned over the last eight years that the slower and the more intentional and more methodical that I am with my time, the more money I make, the more success I enjoy. And the more peace that I'm able to have in my home and my life. So when you say yes to something, by, by default, you're saying no to something else, right? So if you say yes to a three o'clock appointment with person A, you're saying no to a three o'clock appointment with person B. Choose wisely. And if it's uh, if you take what you want to make per year, like let's say you want to make $100,000 and you divide the 40 hours in a week uh, over 52 weeks. Um, you know, I think that's like, I don't remember, I'm gonna make up the number, but let's just say it's $130 an hour. Let's say that's $130 an hour uh, times 40. And I know my math's wrong, but just hear me out for the example. Um, if it's below $130, you need to start thinking about hiring someone. And my first assistant was in 2012. And I was so scared. Oh my gosh, I was so scared. She was $10 an hour. And I was sitting outside of REOs to wait for the power to come on. And I hired her. And uh, I said, if I can sell one house, paying her $100 a week as a result of that time, well, I sold two that month. And I never looked back. And within four months, my assistant had an assistant because I bought into the fact that I was accelerating my income by having people do things that were below my pay grade. Yep. I never stopped doing things that way. I haven't stopped. So You guys hear me saying I'm doing all these things. Well, I say no to a lot more. Um, and I, I also have a full time job at Wailopo, like that's a full time gig. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I've got lots of full times. Um, but I somehow make it home for dinner every night.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's amazing and Thanks. congratulations because it is a hard thing to learn. Yeah. Um, but you've done it very, very well. Thank you so. Another kind of shift gear here is I want to hear the craziest, obviously that you can tell, but like, what's your craziest real estate story? What is something that's happened that you're like, oh, this is a doozy. What's what's that story you tell at the, at the dinner party?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, um, so I, I helped a first-time buyer buy a home in a neighborhood with a high crime rate. And five years after she bought it, she was relocating to Texas. And so she asked me to list it for her. I listed it for sale. Someone from my church that I was going to contacted me about the house that I listed. I, so now I'm representing both sides. Um, I They understood what that meant, the implications from a legal perspective. Uh, I had a Chevy Impala um, and um, I um, we had the home inspection, found a couple of issues, nothing major, Um, and, uh, I had aviators on and in a high crime rate area, everybody left and my car wouldn't start. So I'm waiting for the tow truck company to come. And I noticed a townhouse in front of me had four visitors stop, walk up to the front door, shake hands slowly, get back out, get back in their car. And I was like, "Mm, okay, so looks like a business transaction. Not really sure. And, um, about an hour and a half later, uh, a woman walks out of that front of that house, walks up to my, uh, my door with a forty-five, very large pistol, forty-five caliber pistol, and she says, are you the police? And I don't know what possessed me to do this, I really don't, but I started laughing. And I said, I can't believe you rolled up on me with a 45 caliber gun and asked me if I'm the police. No, I'm not the police. Here's my business card. You can check my website. Uh, (laughs) Still to this day, like, I don't know, but I didn't really have any options. My car wouldn't start, right? Well, so then um, maybe 10 minutes later, I'm like, you know, just like, please start my car. She left. She said, okay, I'll believe you. And my car What was she going to do if you said Yes. I don't know. I don't know. But my car did start like 10 minutes after. Thank God. Calls me and says, I thought you said your car didn't start. And I said, it finally did. And I was getting out of there. Um, You're and, like,
1: you scared the crap out of me. And I hightailed it out of there. So
0: now, was. though, now I've got a situation because I represent both sides. And I just and had you can't problems. go back to that house. Well, yeah. And I, I, well, No, I did still go back, but like I represent the buyer and someone left me with a gun, right? Um, So I got with an attorney because I'm like, what the heck do I do? Like, who do I tell what and when? Like, how do I disclose this? And um, at the end of the day, I made proper disclosure. I referenced the event. I encouraged the buyer to check crime rates. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and just shared my experience without any anecdotes. Like I had to be really careful and ended up, they ended up buying it anyway. Um, but like a year or two later, they, they sent me a picture of, uh, bullet holes in the side of their house. Um, so I was really glad that I made proper disclosure, but yeah, it was a really intricate convoluted scenario to be in.
1: Can you imagine if you got that text after not doing that? Do you know what I mean? Like you your heart would have sank knowing that you had known that there was something like you absolutely did the right thing.
0: Doing the right thing normally is hard in the moment, and rarely do you regret it later on.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> I've heard some doozies, but that's that's up there. Thanks. <laughs> I mean. The Impala with the aviators. I mean, you were kind of asking for that. I was.
0: I was a, it was a cool <laughs> aviator, too. Like, I mean, not I know, the, right? The Impala, like I really um, it was it was a good car. But yeah. It was, what year was this? I want to say like 2011, 2012. Was it
1: like an old school Impala, too?
0: No, no, no. It was the new one. So oh, okay. uh I don't know how that works. I don't know if police officers get the new ones or what. But yeah, it was a, it was a. A newer, it wasn't the the cool round one. It was the- The older
1: one, yeah. yeah. My brother, as soon as you said an Impala, I had a flash of the name Gladys came in my head because my brother had an old school one with like the loud engine and all of that. And we named her Gladys. So yeah, yeah. that was, I immediately was like, oh, you had Gladys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. All right,
1: so I want to make sure we only have a few minutes left. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I give you a chance to talk about the book because yeah. I know Dave has- Said nothing but great things to me about it. I know it's off to such a great start. I know. How long ago did you
0: release the book? About, I would say, almost two years. It's almost been. Oh,
1: okay. Two. So it's been out for a little while.
0: It has. The first year, it it did okay. Um, you know, um, we didn't, it, but I didn't advertise it. It's a self. It takes a while. Book.
1: Yeah, it takes a while.
0: And then year two, something clicked. Guys like Dave and other broker owners across the country. Mm-hmm. After they read it, they started buying boxes of them and giving them to their new agents. And now I think we're over 25,000 copies sold. It stays in the top 10, top 20 on Amazon for real estate sales. Um, And I think uh, looking back, I think the feedback that I've got from it, that's part of why it's made a success. I, um, I write like I talk. So very, very standard. I didn't learn what a noun was until I was in my 20s. So like, it's hilarious that I even wrote a book. And it's just stories. Um, And the stories are designed to help people recognize that, um, uh, you know, as nice people, we, we get off these sales calls without trying to close, without going for the appointment, without trying to overcome objections. And we think, I'm so glad I'm not pushy. And what I really try to help people understand is that they've actually become very selfish on those calls. They're more worried about their need to feel approved of and accepted, which are legitimate needs. But think about burdening these strangers on the phone trying to get these strangers to like us. They're leads, but they're strangers. And and we're talking about things just trying to get them to like us and it has nothing to do with the lead. It's all about us and our need to be, to feel successful and approved of. When a nice person recognizes that they've been selfish and they recognize that the most compassionate thing that they could do is challenge someone's thinking when they say they're waiting a year, to not just say, okay, I'll call you in a year. Say, I think that's fantastic that you're planning ahead. How did you decide on a year? And you hear the person on the other end of the phone struggle through that answer. And you're able to say, it sounds like you're trying to figure it out. We should be meeting to go over this. This is the largest financial transaction of your life. So you recognize that you can come from this place of sincere service, right? Mm -hmm. Compassion, and you can crush it to use your, your show's phrase in this industry. You don't have to be the hardcore closer. And if I put the calloused. So there's two ways to do this. Either you're going to be calloused and decide, I don't care, buy or die. I'm going to, I'm going to close the sale or I'm going to get off the phone and move to the next one. That's one door. And those guys do fine. Those guys and girls do fine. But the people that do it the way that I'm teaching, they outlast and outpace them 10 to one because the person you have to become to not care, it screws up the rest of your life. Yep. But if you can stay in this position of passionately serving people around you, you actually become a better human. That means you're going to run a marathon instead of a sprint.
1: And with referrals. I mean, a whole yeah. huge part of long-term sustainable success in this business is repeat business. So it's like, you know, that other turn and burn is not going to get you that repeat business. So well, I love that. Yeah, Well. Thanks. We will make sure to put a link in the show notes so that Thank people you. can go on Amazon and get that book. Um, make sure to follow Barry. We have all of his stuff. I always go to point and I never point in the right spot, but there you go. Um, <laughs> make sure to follow him, reach out to him. He's a wealth of knowledge and such a nice human being. It was so great to talk to you today, Barry. Thank you yeah. so much. Yep. Awesome. Thank you guys all so much for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of the agents who crush it in real estate podcast. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with your friends and colleagues and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you're interested in being a guest, email us at info at crushitinre.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to crush it in real estate.